this is a new installment of Low Profile, the show that stands at least six feet away from popular music. If you like this episode and want to know more about it, you can find related links and more at lowprofilepodcast.com. Previous episodes of this show are also available there, and it airs on KAOS 89.3 FM in Olympia, Washington, Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. If you enjoyed this program, help out in one or more of the following ways. Follow at Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Tell a friend. Share a favorite episode on social media. Leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Music or wherever you listen. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash lowprofile, where I post exclusive goodies every now and then. Low Profile receives in-kind support from San Francisco Street Bakery in Olympia. The illustrations for Season 4 are generously provided by Taylor W. Rushing. You can find out more about his work at taylorwrushing.com. This episode features Allison O'Donnell, was hosted by Michael Sean Coleman, engineered by Wes Harbison, and produced and edited by me, Mark Lee Morrison. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Mike. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Oh, man. Can't complain. So I want to introduce our listeners to you first. So this is Mike, and he's one of my dearest friends. Uh, he's been on the show in the first season on the Margot Gurion episode and the Bob DeRoe episode. When you came out to do those season one episodes, uh, you came to visit Olympia, you brought some music by a group called Mellow Candle. Bring snowy lady with a laughing spread your sailing angels over me. Tell a tale of old sinfuls. Look for you to change their face. Do not cry for all your left tears. Grace to Lord and man, his gift was all too free. He came to fall upon a faithless smile, leaning eyes towards the clay. really jazzed on it when i asked you if you wanted to host an episode of your own you suggested mellow candle and you secured an interview with allison o'donnell can you tell me just a little bit about her right allison is uh one of the you know vocalists in the group and um so yeah i was able to reach out um to allison and she actually you know, reached back and and she, you know, was totally uh, hyped to do the interview and stuff. And it was it was a real treat. I really enjoyed it. And this will be just part one of that interview because uh, you guys talked for quite a while and covered a lot of really interesting stuff. So this episode, we're mostly going to be hearing about Mellow Candle um, and a little bit about her other bands, United Bible Studies, Aislinn, and uh, right. And the owl service. Right. And and not to mention Flibber to Gibbet and uh, tons of other groups she's been involved with through the years. She's very prolific and, uh, you know, quite a prolific songwriter as well. She sure is. Well, Mike, thanks for doing this. Listener, hope you enjoy. How are you, Allison? Yeah, good, thanks. Calling from Dublin. Thanks yes. for having me. It's a really... 
real honor for me to have you here on Low Profile and uh, have a chance to speak with you, Allison. I've been enchanted by your voice and songwriting since I first heard that Swaddling Songs album. Uh, I, I, your voice and your, your uh, presentation was familiar to my ears. I can't explain why. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it harkened back to a time when I was a child. And um, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I used Saturday morning television uh, when I was a kid growing up in the 70s. There was a lot of um, uh, singing involved with the various shows that I watched. And your voice had this kind of familiar quality to me it was strong and and it was melodic and it was haunting and enchanting uh the melodies uh, were amazing to me anyway we spoke a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago and we uh, just broke the ice and uh, we talked a little bit about what you've been up to lately and uh i'd like to start there um i once read that uh in the beginning of mellow candle you didn't write much because, uh, a according to your quote, the band already had songwriters. Uh, clearly, you had a change of heart and mind because uh, you are a very prolific songwriter. What inspires you to write now? Well, I think, you know, having, uh, harking back to Mellow Candle, having, you know, Cloda and Dave as, as the uh, songwriters there, I felt that I couldn't really compete with them and I had no experience, so it was only when we'd really settled into Mellow Candle um, for, after quite a long time that I felt I could write anything. And then, of course, I did write some contributions for the album, but it, it, they were very tentative to begin with. started really getting into songwriting in a serious way from the sort of late 90s and uh, the last oh I don't know the last 20 years I've written a lot but the last 10 years especially I've written tons and tons I, I think I just feel that it's coming much more easily to me now and I'm my own person I don't I don't have to step out of anyone's shadow and I can just do it all myself I have my own little studio set up for the last uh, four years so you know I, I can experiment now and I can I can write away to my heart's content and that's what I'm doing 
You do that as you, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, my own life experience. As you, as you grow older or if you move forward on, the, on life's path, you seem to find, if you're fortunate, maybe, you seem to find your own way or you start to find your own spirit, your own voice, and it, it comes out in your art or your writing or whatever you seem to be, or whatever you, whatever you do. Uh, yes, and, and, pre- I, and you know, uh, events topics that are that are ha- things that are happening in the world and personal um emotions and feelings due to certain events they all play a great part because you know in what i write uh, um you know a lot of what i write is based on on topics that i feel strongly about or things that have happened to me and uh, you know you write from the heart that's it comes out in a in a big flow yeah absolutely that brings me to my next question it, um many of your lyrics have a, a dark element to them. Uh, they are very descriptive, um, human, earthy. Uh, some are even funny. Um, is that an Irish tradition? Can you give us some, some words on that? Well, you know, I guess that, you know, in Ireland, we have, we have a, quite a dark history in some respects because we were really governed elsewhere for many, many, many years. And, you know, we've been through a great hunger and a lot of problems over the years, over several hundred years. And, and uh, it, you know, it comes out in the writing. I write a lot about the great hunger or the famine, as it's called. I, I write based on, on, on events that happened at the time. I'm, you know, I'm very moved by that because I think, you, as you know, there are, you know, the diaspora, the Irish diaspora, there's millions of, of people in America who are descended from the Irish forebears. Yep, there you exactly. go. <laughs> exactly. And I, Yourself I, included. That, absolutely. Me too. They're big topics and they're, they're captivating and they make the greatest stories and the greatest songs. And, and certainly you're part of that tradition. Um, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your musical background or do you come from a musical family or? Um... Well, not in my, um, my parents' generation. My father played the flute a bit, but uh, really it was my grandparents, uh, maternal grandparents. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother was, was a singer in her youth. And my grandfather and his two brothers were very famous um, conductors and composers in the sort of 1930s and 40s in the British British army tradition. They were brought mm. up in India, but they were brought up with by their father who had played traditional music as a child in the home in Galway, which is where they were from. Mm. And, you know, that, that I'm very inspired by them. Um, you know, that whole grandparents' tradition. I've written songs about them all. And, uh, you know, they, they, I feel them on my shoulder all the time that they're urging me on. Right. That must, must feel good to know that they're right there with you at all times. Yeah. Uh, you play um, a number of instruments. Uh, I believe I saw you playing harmonium uh, on one of your live sets, a video that I saw on, on no, you're uh, YouTube. you're probably thinking of the Shruti box, which is a lot easier. It's really just a drone box, a chordal dr- drone box, but I play Omnichord is the same thing. And I, you know, I play a bit of percussion, but I don't really play an instrument. I play melodica, but you can, you know, anybody can 
kids learn it. Sure. Um, I'm not really a musician. I've learned to play a few things to, to lay down basic tracks of things as a ground level sort of layer. And people will help me then to transform it into something else. Um, and I sing a lot unaccompanied where I don't need any instrumentation. But I have tried to um, catch up a bit and, you know, especially for live gigs with United Bible Studies, um, who, by, by the way, are like a, a, um, a sort of crowd of heathens dancing around a dolmen. Of normally, uh, under normal circumstances, we do a couple of concerts a year in 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 England or you know Wales, and we, you know I do try and play a few things for that. But I, really, my musicianship at that level, in terms of instruments, is very basic. Um, the two the people who I was in Fliberty Gibbet with years ago in South Africa. Um, Barry Glenn made me a beautiful dulcimer which was shipped over from Canada a few years ago and I'm getting to grips with that now and then. That's not an inst easy instrument to play. I took some... Well, it's not, not too difficult. It's not as difficult as guitar, you know, you, but it, it, it's so beautiful. And of course, Joni Mitchell used to play it. She did. You know, I'm a great Joni Mitchell fan. Uh, I am one too. Of my, I did write a song about her once. Called you did? Sleeping on, Strang Sleeping on Strange Pillows. <laughs> Sleeping on strange pillows she would ride one day About an aviator whose Electra lost its way She could do just about every damn artistic endeavor That fine, fanned-up body of work is going to last forever And bite in a voice that's mighty It's on one of my solo albums. That's fascinating. I'm going to have to dig in deep and find it. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a line from Amelia. Oh, nice. That's one of my favorite songs. It's a great album. Um, it is. <laughs> God, that's a great album. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Harmonium. Uh, I, my hat's off to you if you think that the instrument isn't easy to play. I took a mountain dulcimer class once and... I just had to walk away. It w maybe it wasn't the right time. I don't know. But um, I'm a drummer. I'm percussion percussionist. So um, stringed instruments have always kind of confused me. Uh, I'm more drawn to 
melodious percussion instruments like piano or that kind of thing. If I can bang. Well, I do play a bit of percussion. I've got a whole range of of a few easy, you know, eggs and maracas. I've got the mellow candle maracas actually still and triangle and a few things like that. Because, you know, I've got, you know, because I do a lot of uh, cross genre music. I, you know, you have to have a good sense of rhythm. Absolutely. Tell me about this drum. There's a a Celt frame drum called, is it Badron? Baron, Baron, yeah. Um, And you have one and play one, don't you? I have two very good ones. The drum itself, I mean, it predates Christianity. It's an ancient instrument. And uh, anyway. Yeah, there's tambours. I have a tambour, it's a massive thing, and it makes a huge sound. I've occasionally (laughs) used it on United Bible Studies recordings because they're a very experimental group. Tell us about uh, Graham Lockett, uh, your uh, collaborator? Uh, yes, and a very good, very good friend for many years now. Um, came to one of my gigs years ago, and we just we formed a um, a good friendship, and uh, we decided to make a, a record together in 2012. Uh, Ritual Echo put it out, and uh, the execution of Frederick Baker, and uh, we uh, we just gelled, and uh, we made a second one, which we put out, I think, last year, just digitally. We're waiting for a label. And uh, that's called Five Forests. I'm really happy with both those albums. Uh, Graham is really a um, totally dedicated musician. And um, he's also now part of United Bible Studies, which I'm very pleased about. So I've got him in two different places, which, I was gonna, which is, gonna... is really good. You know, it just makes it all very easy to work with someone. He and I just get on like a house and fire. We always have. And uh, we've made some very good uh, work together, which, right. I, uh, you know, we're both very pleased uh, right. about. You So you were responsible for bringing Graham into... Uh... United Bible Studies, or yeah, well, he kind of fell into it, you know, just by yeah. working with us. So that's how I mean, you know, United Bible Studies has had more than two hundred floating members, and right. some stick around. Most just come in and out. It, it 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 is a large group sometimes, and we get on well, and we contribute to each other's albums, and it works really, really well. Night breaks over blackened lungs. Insects come to call. To smell the devil's trumpet, but you dare not breathe at all. Uh, tell us a little bit about United Bible Studies. I know this. Uh, uh, we were discussing this during our first conversation. Uh, I know uh, you and Graham are involved. Who else is? Uh, well, the Dom Cooper, who's who's living in America now, uh, he was with the Owl Service. San as well, Diego, so right? They, yeah. I, I, well, he's you know he's kind of a um, he's been around with the Owls and other other bands, the Straw Bear Band, for years. So I've known him for a very long time, and uh, we we. You know, we we sort of we gelled a long time ago. So working with him and David Cullohan, who I really he's my go-to person. Um, he's a founder, along with James Ryder of United I Bible see. Studies in two thousand and one, I think, or two thousand two thousand and one. Yeah. Um, and I've been there for thir- this is my thirteenth year. So 
you, these are the people who, you know, I, I worked with Dave, oh, back in 2009, we did a few gigs together and his recording and I joined in 2008. So, you know, we, we were well used to working with each other and then bringing Graham in and all these other people who add, sure. you know, a little something. We've got an Italian album. There's different people on that. All sorts of, we have a huge raft it's of astonishing. recordings. I looked at the, um, the, Bandcamp site and there's 33 albums yeah and you know they're all streaming you can listen to them on on Bandcamp um but does um uh are there are there any records out there available uh, any vinyl yes there's quite there's quite a few vinyl yeah there's quite a few vinyl yeah. spoiky uh rosary bleeds um oh numbers of other ones the the new the, the newer ones uh you know the the there's lots and lots of, of, of recordings. There's tapes, you know, um, yeah. I've <laughs> there's listened. CDs, I... <laughs> but we like the vinyl. We, we try to get something different for each record. Yeah. You know, we, we, we sort of, that's, we're a huge experimental collective. So whenever we do concerts, we, we have a set list and we have some set structures, but there's always space for long passages or short passages in most of our songs for improvisation. And we go off wherever at a tangent. That's where the magic happens, right? Yeah. I'm assuming that you're collaborating from various locations around the globe. Uh, you mentioned that one of them. Well, none of us live in the same place. No. Yeah. So, you know, we got, we've got two in Ireland, one in America and one in England. How many of the records uh, the, on the Owl Service material, how many of these records have you played and sang on? The Owl Service, oh, there's a number of, uh, um, well, the Owl Service, the main one we did together was an EP, The Fabric of Folk, Folk which was yes. 2008, Static Caravan, which I, is, is one of my um, releases that I really do like a, an yes. awful lot. And Stephen Collins, who's really the Owl Service, he, he's put all of that together. Uh, another great friend of mine who I've known for a long time. And, uh, you know, there's a couple, there's some original songwriting on there and there's a couple of um, traditional songs as well. And uh, it's something, it's a piece of work I'm very happy with. I think it's beautifully produced and wonderfully played. I listened to The Wooden Coat. Uh, yeah, a... that's a song I love, actually. And Beautiful. that's written... It's written uh, about the death of the mother of a friend of mine years ago and a friend of mine who I've known since I was 12. And I wrote that song about her mother when she was passing. Cut me a drift, you beg everyone. I want to Now, I, I saw some performances uh, uh, with younger folks 
playing some mellow candle material. There was a, a performance you, you did where you were performing Heaven Heath. Was that the owl service? Yes, that was a version of them. Um, we did do that song because uh, they asked me if I if I wanted to do it. And I, I feel I can't really say no when people really want to do these songs. I, I, I kind of, I don't really want to go there with the Mellow Candle stuff live, but... I do, and I have on a number of occasions, and uh, I I can't say that I do, I do enjoy it in the end. It just I, I have mixed feelings about it. But usually, if somebody really wants to do it, I will certainly not go against that because I think it's very churlish. So you know, I have done it on a number of occasions. That and Messenger Birds. I've sung Messenger I, Birds quite a few times. I watched the. Well, I didn't realize you'd done it a number of times. And it's very of, high. Let me tell you, late. it's high. I mean, that's that's like um, vocal gymnastics, that song. Yeah, it's and high. <laughs> I can just sing in that key, but, you know, a voice as it gets older, you know, it gets a little coarser, so not as sweet as a young voice would be. But I can still I can still sing up there because we, can. With, the, with United Bible Studies, I have kind of no fear of improvising now. I was always afraid of those high notes in the years yeah. later, but now whew, I just go for them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And it works, I'm telling you. And and they can be in those songs. I'm, you're the artist, but I know those songs can be interpreted in any way you wish to interpret them. And they would still resonate and be as magical as they've always been. So thank you. <laughs> there seems to be a lot going on uh, on your side of the pond. I, 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 I mean, I know I, I think perhaps because of my listening tastes, I, I listen to a lot of music that um, older music or music that was generated in uh, in the past, maybe not so much focused on what's happening now. Even even younger groups or music that was made by people my age um, is already um, anachronistic. But there's things happening right now. Listening to you and talking about all of these projects, um, you're busy, um, and your contemporaries are busy making music, creating music, doing things. It's good to hear. Yeah, well, I think, you know, if you stop, you know, you just stagnate and you, you know, you've got to keep going. To me, to me, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what drives me in life is to keep creating. And because now my songwriting flow and, and all the singing zooms, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this kind of torrent all the time, which, which is exciting for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, Colloquy of Birds. Um, can we talk about that record? And is it in the traditional vein? 
Yes, and it's it's really the folklore myth in myths and and legends uh, of British and and well Scottish actually not you know we don't know what's going to happen to Scotland in terms of Britain <laughs> right. Scottish and Irish birds so it's very Celtic. Um, so Gail Brogan um, who who with uh, Alan Davidson the two of them work together a lot and they really not only do they take masterful photographs of birds and insects but they know especially Gail they just know so much about birds and she's done a lot of her music is based around birds you know um it's just a that's what she does and uh she and I because of that I think I wanted to write something about birds and because of her and her interest in that I just decided to ask her a few years ago if she'd write an album with me, and um, she said yes. Yeah. So, it's 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 she's got sort of half it's half Irish birds and half Scottish birds, and and we've each written the songs, and the, but we've all played together on on all of them, and oh. along with Alan Davidson, uh, Kitchen Cynics as he's known, and David Coolahan and Gray Malcolm, these people are involved as well in it. And uh, yeah, it's I really wanted to get a release one day because it's it's something different again, uh, the collaboration but, between her and myself. You know, uh, oh, colloquy for those that don't know, uh, uh, the definition of colloquy is conversation. So it is That's a conversation right. of birds. I just learned that, by the way. Yep, Allison. Explain that to me before we began, but Eistland, 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 Eistland. Well, it's Irish for uh, you know. Listen to us. Um, and Aisland. this is a Flemish group, correct? Yeah, it is because I spent four years living there from ninety-seven to two thousand and one, uh, and I did a lot. Of, I I decided to just throw myself into music. I played in a duo for a while. I did some. Um, theatrical work and where I was, you know, building up my stagecraft. And uh, I joined up with some Flemish musicians, Philip Mazura, who I, I mentioned earlier. I went to meet him and uh, we played a few things together and we got on really well. So we decided to form a band. And uh, there were a couple of others um, uh, Wim, uh, Wim Pusen, Janneke Donkerslot, and Hido Picard, who's a wonderful musician too. They all are. And uh, we played for a few years together. We did quite a few festivals in, in Belgium, big festivals. We did a lot of cultural centers because they have a wonderful setup there where you go along, you get fed, you wonderful sound system. And the locals come along and watch you. And I can tell you, the room falls silent when you start to play. Amazing. They're real culture vultures. So I, I really enjoyed that there with them, you know, those guys. And l let me tell you, the traditional musicians in Flanders, there's many of them and they are superb. They shouldn't have lived together, but they couldn't live apart. Divided by the head and ruled by too much heart. They often used to dance on the edge of borderline, smooching in the silence and juggling all the time. All the time. All the time. Does the group have any new material? Uh, anything out currently? Not that group, no. Um, no, when I came to live back in Ireland in 2001, um, I, I, I commuted back 
to, to play with some girls called, in a band called Uda. There were four of us singing um, unaccompanied in French, Flemish and English. And uh, we, we, you know, we did it for a while and with Aislinn, but after a while, you know, I couldn't really afford the fares all the time and it kind of naturally petered out. Yeah, you know, so naturally. I, as I applied myself back to building a career in the country that I'd left 28 years before. We'll touch on that a little bit. I mean, the fact that you left the country and then returned and so much uh, changes took place. Um, before we do that, I just want to um, just see if I can get a little bit of uh, comment from you on your solo records, the ones you've done on your own. There's a compilation, 50 years of your material called Spread your sailing angels over me. Yeah, well, David Coulihan, who I, as I say, I work with a lot, he suggested I did a compilation and I'd never thought about doing it. It never really occurred Smart. to me. Smart, yeah. Why don't yeah. you do one? And uh, I thought, oh yeah, well, I've got enough. <laughs> and I, I <laughs> yes, of, you do. Yeah, so I, I, I put together the tracks for that and it was easy enough to do it. And I'm happy that I did it because I think it's quite an interesting, an interesting release. Yeah. The, the material's um, varied, uh, and it covers a, a number of different periods in your career, and it's a nice overview. I mean, you can listen to it and, and, and get a full dose of Alison O'Donnell, for sure. Um, I really like the Hey, Hey, Hippie Witch record. I listened to a number of tracks. Do you have any favorites amongst your solo records? Um... Yeah, I, I, look, I, li I like them all. Climbshare was, was maybe, Climbshare, the Fields of Peace, there's a lot of family involved in that. And, uh, you know, there's songs about my, my great-grandfather's leaving Ireland to go to, to join the British Army and ended up in India. And there's a song about my mother's dementia. And, you know, it's a very, there's a lot of very personal um, stuff on that album, and also the 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 actual title comes from a poem called Memorial, which was written by a person who I call always called Cousin Peter. Peter O'Donnell was my mother's cousin, and he was a, a French teacher and a poet who died very young in his forties. But he used to come and visit us when I was a child every summer, and he was a wonderful man with wonderful poetry and I took one of his poems and the line from it uh, I used as the title of the album because I wanted to honor those relatives who are again very low profile. Absolutely. I love it. Love that uh love that uh that drop you just put um Alison are you the hippie witch? I wonder. <laughs> I guess so. I guess <laughs> so. Listen, I, I I won't give any names but um I years ago I was working with um my cousin, the one I'm doing, uh, you know, the, Anthony. Hark the Voice. Hark the Voice, yes. Hark the Voice Anthony sings for all. Uh, and yes, and he, he, this is many years ago because I've actually only known him 21 years because I lived away when he, he was young. We, the families fell out. We didn't speak for ages, but I met him again in 2000. And we're very close. We're like brother and sister, really. Wonderful. Although he lives on the other side of Dublin. And we, both being musicians, we gravitated towards each other. Mm. But he, he had a girlfriend years ago, years and years ago. And when I started going to his session every week and playing there with him, because he runs, he's, he's a jobbing musician. And uh, she said to him one day, what are you doing hanging around with that hippie witch? <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. Um, oh, I know. I had a question for you. Um, 
do you have any suggestions or advice for musicians who are uh, uh, doing uh, DIY distribution or promotion? Um, I know you do you do a lot of that yourself. When we spoke initially, you know, I asked you, do you have any technical background? Do you, you're managing your websites? You're promoting your own material? Any idea or any rather suggestions for anyone that's doing the same? Musicians. Well, look, if I can learn the tech, anyone can, because tech comes, you know, not easily to me. And uh, I had to learn how to record through uh, using Reaper, which is very basic. But, you know, I've learned to do all of that and to set up my Bandcamp and website myself just through trial and error and, and lots of hard graft. There's lots of hard graft in the admin. You know, it's, it's often very dull and boring and, you know, you're plodding along, just inputting material and, and just, you know, proofreading all the time, proofreading. I try to proofread everything. There's a lot of there's a lot of boring work in admin, but it has to be done. And, uh, you know, if you don't have a manager, you, you do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You do. Another question. I noticed that um, you seem to have a penchant for masks and a number of Piece, video pieces that I've seen and whatnot, you're wearing these masks. It takes a special kind of person to pull a mask off. You can do it. Can you tell us a little bit about the masks? Well, I think um, because I'd, particularly in South Africa, I'd learned about stagecraft because I was doing theatrical work. And, you know, I, I kind of carried that on into Belgium. And then certainly when I came back to Ireland, I, I thought, well, I've got to keep all this going. So the masks became something that I felt you know, would, I think audience love it because they, they, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of, they don't know what to expect. And, you know, I can remember uh, doing a gig years ago with the United Bible Studies and, uh, you know, I, I put on this mask and I, I, I did this traditional song, but I did this sort of hideous bird cackling in the middle. And, uh, you know, one of the wim women in the audience screamed, you know, threw up her hands. And I thought, well, Absolutely. that's the desired effect, you know. Absolutely. back a little bit and it brings me to uh, Mellow Candle. For those of you that are not aware, uh, Mellow Candle made one record, uh, 1972. It's an absolute masterpiece. I re-release. I now own a copy on vinyl, but I'd like to know about um, how this all began and if we can go back to um, Holy Child Convent School and uh, the inception of the group. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, Clodagh was, you know, she, she was able to manage the academic side as well. I really was a bold as brass child. And uh, I, I, was, I was only interested in three things at school. That was art, games and music. And the music came first. So we did some do to do Ron Ron type of things and Helen sure. Shapiro and soul sort of. We're talking about material. like what, 1962, yeah. 1963? Yeah. 63 and yeah, four, five. Yeah. Um, we, we were doing sort of soul stuff, but 
we were also doing her compositions, which she'd, she'd, she'd written. And uh, we, we used to go to a, a music room most days at lunchtime. And, you know, you had to hire them. But we were always given one by the nuns. And I think they really wanted to encourage us. I think they realized that we were very creative and that they sure. should actually run with it. And they Interesting. Did, to the, it's in their, to their credit that they did, that the, they encouraged us. The, that the nuns that. were supportive of what you were doing the, creatively. They were. I mean, look, I was very naughty and I was always getting in <laughs> trouble. But, um, you know, they did support that because I think they realized that was our, really, we, we had this ambition to right. do something with it and that we were going to do something with it. Right. That it wasn't so, just a, a fleeting fad, a passing fancy. Absolutely. And we had plenty of material when it came to do the demos for the album and, and when, when the lads came in and joined us. And then, you know, I joined in and Dave, Dave, who'd come from South Africa and living, his father was a geologist, director of the Geological Survey in Dublin. And uh, he, he brought a whole other sort of world of influence into it. Certainly. Yeah, Dave Williams, my, my, my former husband. Yes, and guitar player and songwriter in Mellow Candle. And he's uh, a wonderful mandolin player as well. And he plays fiddle. Very, very fine musician who learned when he was musician. living in South Africa to actually score. How did you meet uh, Cloda? Well, as I say, we were in the same class. So, so you know, kind of like-minded, we just kind of... I don't know. She was getting proper music lessons. So uh, I, we decided to, um, to just have a go. She said, I've got some stuff. Yeah. And uh, shall we just have a go at some songs? And it really just started out through experimenting as to what it would be like with the three of us singing together. And we had harmonies and things. And, you know, we just started to build it up. We thought, oh, well, this is bad. And, right. and it, it went from there. It just sort of got legs. Was Maria White your friend first or... Clota Simmons' friend first, or did you just um, all find each other at the same time, or how did that she work? Was, she was in the same class as well, but um, she was kind of more mature, and she wasn't really, I don't know how she fell into it. She, I think she yeah. just expressed interest, but she, she didn't have as much of a musical bent as we did. And mm. of course, later on, she dropped out after the single, we, we, you know, she dropped out of the whole thing. She sure. really wanted to pursue a different kind of life. Sure. But at the beginning well, she was there and uh, I've still got tapes from that time. Clodo really uh, kind of, she had written, we'd sent, we'd made these tapes, reel to reels, and we, she had sent them off to a lot of different people. And yeah. Colin Nickel came back uh, via Radio Luxembourg. He liked it and he, he ran with it. It. He was the one who arranged that whole setup with Simon Napier Bell and uh, you know the orchestra and the Breakaways backing group That's who were like, better singers than we were. It's it was unprecedented for young girls from Ireland to be like uh, working with this top shelf producer. A single came out of that relationship, that business relationship, uh, feeling high backed with Tea with the Sun. It was a, a seven-inch single.
when we got to actually record that single, we were overawed by the magnitude of what was facing us, the orchestra and the breakaways and the and the whole technical aspect of it. It was mind-boggling. It must have been mind-boggling. for And for, Carnaby uh, Street and Soho, all of those oh. places that we saw. Uh, we were just young girls from, from Ireland. So it was really, it was really something uh, magical for us. We're, well, as you know, you know, a lot of our American culture here comes directly from Ireland and, and Scotland and, uh, and uh, Britain and going back centuries. And in Appalachian culture and country music, we talk about blood harmonies. And I think that that could directly, it goes back to what you're, you were doing in, in a, many of your close harmony work with Mellow Candle. Yeah, and, and there's and a these... sacred harp singing and all sorts of different ways of, of singing, which I'm, I'm very interested in. Me you too. Know, different, different ways of singing, different ways of harmonizing, different methods. You know, it's all interesting to me. It's it's absolutely spiritual. Um, the the harmonizing and it it's you know chicken skin music. Put the hair on the top of the back of your neck up, standing straight up. Absolutely, and I, I have a great love of all of all sorts of different forms of singing. And you know, I like to do different stuff. You know, I like to I, I like yeah. a challenge. Okay, so you're, you and David are um, boyfriend-girlfriend, and how did David get involved with uh, Mellow Candle? Well, I think he, he, uh, um, he, he met Clodagh first, and we knew that she was coming back eventually, and we, we kind of just decided that we might just try out the, the, together. And then, of course, we decided that we'd need bass, uh, and we operated with, with, a, with a Dublin bass, Right. And he had this slapping Jethro Tull sort of style of playing. Mm. So we didn't need a drummer while he was with us, but he left us later. Oh. And uh, we, we, then, we then, you know, we moved up to Frank Boylan, who, who was in the Creatures in the 50s here. And oh, he wow. was like a rock player. He played sure. Gary Moore later and, and all the rest of it. So he kind of moved into the band. And then, um, you know, Clodagh got together with William Murray, who had who often depth for phenomenal Dave drummer. God, he's, he's a just, fantastic drummer. Oh my God. Is, is William Murray still with us? Is he, is he living? No, he died a long time ago. God bless his soul. A fabulous drummer and a great a musician. Drummer. Yeah, he, he sadly he didn't live beyond his, you know, mid to late 40s. Uh, it's very sad, but he did a lot of great work. He, he played with, he used to depth for Dave Maddox, and I think he's on one of the BBC recordings with Sandy Denny. And, you know, he was great fun at the time to be with in a band. I'm sure. And technically so, so adept. Oh incredible the technical ability and he later that... became a photographer which was also very good at oh wow well that makes sense so the group david's in the group uh how about marriage i mean what were you married right away or no or no no i met him when i was 16 and we i was 19 when we when we got married we felt that we were gonna you know we were gonna put the band properly on the road and everything so we figured eventually we'd have to travel 
elsewhere out of the country and sure. uh, you know we just you know we got married Okay. So, so you know, he was—he was—he was from the Protestant background, and of course, I was born a Catholic. So, his father had to have a—I um, think it was a monthly or a meeting with, or weekly even meeting with the with the local parish priest. And all they used to do was drink whiskey. So I heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now David's in the group, and you've decided to launch Mellow Candle and go forward, and you're collecting musicians to join the group. Yeah, we, we collected Pat, as I say, but we, because of his percussive style, we didn't need a drummer then. But we yeah. eventually realized that we were, you know, we were, were we going to be too folky, too rocky? We, we, we felt that we needed drums uh, uh, for the cohesion, really. And uh, that's yeah. what we did eventually. But we played for a long time without drums. And wow. the demos are all done without, you know, mostly without drums. Although some of those demos... Um, Virgin Prophet, uh, the the outtakes, yeah. they, they they we employed uh, Richard Coughlin from Caravan to play, and oh. uh, you know he he kind of when he was playing down the wing, he, he tried for ages to get the rhythms because very proggy, and uh, yeah. you know in the end he he stood up and he said, well it's effing Irish music in it, <laughs> uh, really. The record, there's strong Irish overtones and the, the, the singing style and this kind of lilting that the two of you do. And I think I read somewhere that you didn't even know what you were doing, but you weren't aware of what lilting was or if it, you know, uh, but you were doing it and you were singing in this style that's so, it's riveting in a rock prog setting, like really special. Um, uh, where, how did you begin working on the record and whose idea was it to put you in a studio and make an album? Well, you know, I, I think we got to a point where we were doing some gigs and, you know, we were practicing. I mean, when we, when we lived in London later, we practiced for six hours a day. You know, <laughs> we were really, really committed. Ted Carroll and Brian Tute came along and they, they, they managed us. So once you have management, you know, they, they do it for you. So we were... Yeah you know, putting gigs and things. And there weren't that many of them. We knew we'd have to leave Ireland because there weren't enough places to play. Sure. And uh, we went we went to London. And, and, you know, it was very hard. Our existence there for a lot of the time was very, very tough. In I mean, in London, at one stage when we were living together, we had hardly any money. And uh, we, we, you know, we, we would often be hungry. We were trying to bring in money to pay the rent and to keep going. It was very, very hard because we weren't doing enough gigs because we really, uh, Ted's, other, Ted's big band, of course, is Thin Lizzy. And they were going to be much more successful than we were because they were, they appealed to a much wider audience. Sure. And they were, they were there at the right time. We probably weren't. We were there at the wrong time, maybe. And uh, we just couldn't kind of, we couldn't extend it beyond the album and uh, we just couldn't keep it going. Whereas Thin Lizzy went on to massive success um, right. because they were, they just had it all going for them at the time. You know, we were, we were too folky for the, we were too rocky for the folk clubs and too folky for the rock clubs.
we were in a, in a place all of our own, and it was it was difficult to, to to place us at times. I think you know our managers really struggled. Absolutely, yeah, it makes totally total sense. I mean, it really is. Even now, you listen to the recording, and it and it exists in a world of its own. It's even within contemporaries of that time, it, even in, of that were in the folk realm or in the psych realm or the prog realm, you know, swaddling songs sort of hangs in its own universe. I mean, in, in to my ears and my ears don't lie. It, it's, it's, it has its own world, so to speak. And yeah, well, really... it did for us then too. And we knew it was good. And we knew we yeah. knew we had to do something with it. But, you know, at some point, you know, there's a there's an overwhelming brick wall in front of <laughs> you. You've got to make a and you just, puck. <laughs> you just you can't break through anymore. And yeah. you know, it just it just disintegrated eventually because we couldn't yeah. make it go where we wanted it to go. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. It was unfortunate and it's really sad in a way. But you yeah. know, it's become a cult thing since. Oh yeah, true. Did you have any fans in the in the music world, musician fans? I mean, was Phil Lanata fan or or? Um... Oh yeah, I mean Phil. Phil was out. You know, came round to our, our wedding, and we played our wedding night. Yeah. Uh, our wedding day, we went and played a gig in the stadium, the National Stadium in in Dublin, with Thin Lizzy. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, you know, must... my, my father-in-law gave us a very expensive bottle of champagne and it was <laughs> passed around. I had one sip. It was all gone by the other people. Who... <laughs> you know, but we it was a great gig. We 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 played with them on that gig because they we were all in the same stable, management stable. So, uh, you know, we did a few gigs with them. Yeah. But uh yeah, that you know, it was Phil Phil was was a good friend and of course Clodagh ended up playing on Shades of Blue Orphanage, and, uh, you know. Yeah, I read that. But there were a lot of eclectic people around, I'm sure, around around the UK music scene at the time that maybe would have been fans or understood where you were going with oh, your look, sound. I think if circumstances had been different, you know, who knows yeah. what could have happened. It, you know, you know, it, it, yeah. these things are like you, if you're, if you're somewhere with the right everything, except you're in the wrong time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it just doesn't work. And, uh, you know, Dave and I later on after that, when it was all disintegrating, we all, you know, drifted apart. Mm. He and I were still temping, and we decided we had to leave because we were at one stage we were homeless. We were we we I mm. remember we slept for three nights. I can't remember whose flat it was, but we were sleeping under newspapers. Oh we, wow! There was you know we were really cold. It was yeah. a three day week in 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 um in London, and it was really miserable. And we thought, God, oh, no, wow. we can't stick any more of this. Yeah, so that's we went tough. back to Ireland briefly, and then we went to South Africa because he had been there. David was born there, so mm. you you know once you are born in, in in South Africa, you were able to go there. And let me Residency. tell you, I was I was working in London at the time, temping, and it was a deeply unpopular decision with the people I was working for and my family. I believe it because was South I... Africa in those days was a no no. <laughs> Hey, this is Mark Lee. We're going to pause Mike Coleman's interview with Allison O'Donnell here and come back to part two next week. Talk more about South Africa and everything that happened after that. Right now you're hearing her band after Mellow Candle, Fliberty Gibbet. Thanks for listening. Come on, little roving sailor. 
Come, son of boy, won't you marry me? 